Calm it's down. bear base! Yeah. I know. Yeah. Fuck! Yeah. Fuck! Yeah. Ah, it burns so fucking bad! That's in there. Bear base to the eye! Oh. Straight to the eye! Okay. It's help! They got me right in the eye with bear base. Thanks, guys. Yeah. I got it. I gotta go. Keep streaming. I am. I got it, it My face is burned, too. You gotta get him out of here. No, I can't even look. I can't even look. Keep streaming me. Someone. I'm, I'm streaming. So get someone to stream me. I got yeah, it. Got I got it, it Banks. <laughs> okay. It's Rick Wright right here. I got okay, it. Okay. What is my people saying? Uh, All right. Damn, that sucks. Milk. I need more milk. Banks, it's just going to hurt for a second. Right, man? TC and Jake. I shit you not, I was thinking about that open on the way over here. Oh. Well, how serendipitous. Because I saw a professional dog walker by the AAC. Oh, really? Yeah. It was clear, you know, you can tell. That was like three, like, labradoodly looking dogs. Yeah, yeah. And a dude who had, like, a phone clip. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, that guy, that's not your dogs. And I was just wondering, man. Like, no one ever has their mutt professionally walked. Right. What's baked up to? That's, that's great all body. I could think about when I Last saw Last I heard was dog walking. Yeah, it looks somewhat lucrative but i guess that was uh over a year ago so maybe he's built an empire by now well he was yang gang and he's That's coming good. back right yang i mean he's probably not gonna be president Nah, but he made uh, some headlines with this uh this gillis stuff <laughs> boy you know the second he's he saw that shit he was kind like, of our stand-in <laughs> asian of the moment <laughs> right yeah and uh, Ted Cruz said that he would play him in basketball if he got over 5%. And the second Yang got over 5%, it was like a month ago when the challenge was laid out. Yang was like, sub now. 5%, Theodore. Yeah. Let's roll. So last Tuesday, we ended with uh, me giving out what was called later a, uh, a centrist take, which... That's you. Deeply hurts me. Oh, I was going to say, you're Mr... You, Neoliberal centristo. Nothing, nothing could cut me more because if someone's like uh, you, fucking right winger, you just like obviously they're joking. You know, like I don't have to take this seriously. But like I, I think that's that's what uh, creates a lot of the vitriol you see between uh, the left and the center left, where you're like, boy, hypothetically, you guys agree on some things, broad strokes. How come you don't? Uh, well, it's because someone, uh, you know, unless they really squint. Like might have occasional hard times telling between the two, uh, the, the you know that that's why you gotta gotta draw some clear lines. Like no one, anyways. Um, so I'd like uh, the opportunity. I, I I saw I was listening to uh, NPR doing my my Uber driving yesterday, R. and R. Uh, felt like we had a, a prime opportunity to uh, to expand on what exactly I was talking about, um, and so. In the bottom of the Grand Canyon, they, uh, there's a lady they interviewed that's been working on a project to bring broadband internet to the, uh, the native tribes that live in the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Yeah. And I think that that is a great initiative that has my full support. I would like to see us expand it. Uh, and she was talking about how it's, uh, it's actually difficult because... Um, the, there's another company that would like to also do that, and so the government is now telling them to halt all work until they uh, sort out, you know, like exactly how this works and like uh, make sure there's no like price fixing going on. Like if they want to compete, you gotta let them compete. Um, and so you know that that she was complaining that there's too much red tape around that, and like 
I am anti price fixing, uh, but but I, I I agree with her that we should uh, try and be able to get this whole thing through quicker. But I I say fuck that. Like uh, we should just be pouring government money into making sure that everyone everywhere can have the uh, the beauty of internet. So porn on your porn on your phone. That's uh that's that's how I feel about it from like uh, the government's standpoint. Now on the other side. Why you live in the bottom of the fucking Grand Canyon? Just yeah. move out of the bottom of the Grand Canyon. This woman is talking about how her son like uh, is developmentally delayed, and so like they gotta have a therapist that like flies down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon because he can't drive down there because it's the Grand fucking Canyon. <laughs> and she's like, and they won't spend enough time with him. And uh, so it's been great that we have the internet now because now they can do Skype visits. And they're like, has this made it, uh, an improvement in your child's state that they can do the Skype visits? And she's like, oh, it's tremendous. Well, how good would it be if you lived next to the fucking therapist? Yeah. You have to live in the bottom of the Grand Canyon? <laughs> it's kind of funny because they're like, you know, we're just tied, this our heritage and our history are tied to this specific spot here. And I'm like, yes. And in that specific spot, it's hard to get the internet or therapists. Yeah. So, like, you, uh, listen, yeah. it's not that I think that their heritage isn't important at all. Uh, or, you know, to, to, to frame it better, their past is very important. The future of your child should be more important. Yeah, I wonder if it's like uh, if there's some sort of deal where they're just getting like a sweetheart deal, you know, like they're not paying anything for anything sort of deal. Maybe like taxes, and, and listen, property taxes or yeah, like, what's the comps for the base of the Tetons? <laughs> like uh, like a lot of uh, uh, immigrant situations, and uh, they they would not be an immigrant because they've been here longer than us. But uh, I think that first generation just got to bite that fucking bullet, you know. Like, uh, yes, you're leaving the bottom of the Grand Canyon with absolutely no marketable skills. Is it's going like to fucking a, suck. A real neighborhood? <laughs> no, there's, it's it's not like a couple city blocks. It's like an, it's just like Adobe? Uh, I think they, they described it as like a kind of like running water? Siding. Okay. Like you, you got some, got some corrugated siding down there. Have you ever seen like... Uh, I'm trying to think of where I saw... Yeah, it was... Uh, I guess it was, I don't know. It was whenever my family went to South Padre Island when I was real, real little. Maybe shit. No, you know what? It was when we went to Big Bend. So I don't think this was like Juarez, but it was somewhere in that area, um, like out El Paso way. And we took a borough tour across the border. Mm. And my stepdad was like uh, a real badass at the time. I'm pretty sure he was carrying. Um, I guess he still kind of is a badass, but. The tour that took us into a town took us through neighborhoods of flat out, you know, mud homes. Mm -hmm. And I was like eight. And yeah. it was super, super confusing. Did they feel like they were, was anyone trying to teach you any lessons based on this? I don't know if that was even necessarily the tour, the, the, the aim, but I remember being like, what are you plugging the Nintendo? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was, it was just a weird, like, I almost, and I thought about this today whenever we were doing the Bob was talking about his first trip to the uh, shelter cornerstone for drop your pants. Like I do kind of feel like you should force kids to see like extreme poverty at some point when they're pretty young, even if it's just like once, because I mean, I still remember that shit. Now I don't know. Like maybe it's, you know, it doesn't really matter and you're going to be a bad kid. You're going to be a shithead kid if you grow up in the suburbs anyways, but where would we have been? No, not Juarez, but somewhere like right on the other side of like where of where Big Bend is. So that's way down there. But yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, uh, we definitely had those uh, excursions when I when I was a youth. Of uh, now, it's time to see how all the other people live, and 
I, I, I do not like. Uh, there's a lot of things that my parents did that I either have a strong positive or a strong negative uh, opinion about. I would say that's just not one of them. I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know if it was good or not. I mean, I guess just to be safe, I'd probably want to do it. But like, I don't know. You could probably do it even just like going to a like. We used to our our youth group used to just have to go to shelters and like serve food, and that stuck with me pretty hard too. So our I don't big know, thing probably... was uh, taking kids gifts at Christmas time. There you go. Whereas I feel like it's a little bit of a fun one, giving out gifts, but it, it does you know put in uh, stock whenever yeah you get like a you know a Super Nintendo and hand kid a toothbrush yeah right <laughs> yeah. like uh a thank you would be nice <laughs> no no i never had that attitude i was just i was just depressed it just bummed me out i'm like this kid doesn't already have a toothbrush that fucking sucks so i was someone uh, should do something yeah i mean well but i mean he can't brush his teeth with this nintendo so i'm gonna hold on to this <laughs> yeah uh a couple quick hits for you here from the the personal files I uh, was down at the old track gambling my money away the other day. No, the track at the junior high on my street to get a little runs, little sprints in. Okay. And I found... Trying to shave a couple off that 40? At the gate of the fence to get into the track, a condom. Uh, Tight. I, I don't know. I assume it's used, but I didn't like inspect it for cummies. But it was like not a condom in a wrapper. It was a, a condom. And it was dirty. Yeah. It was that dirty. It had been it. used for something. For something, perhaps. <laughs> That's right. Um, and I don't know about you, but I immediately start to spin uh literary tales in my mind the second i see a condom on the ground <laughs> yeah <laughs> like what what's the backstory here you know i mean yeah yeah maybe it just blew over from a trash can across the street or something but i like to imagine you kind of stooping down and saying tell me your story buddy <laughs> that's exactly how i felt that's seriously exactly how i felt or like if i had speaking again of native american stereotypes like if i could just touch it and yeah. sort of close my eyes and be like mm, yes <laughs> 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 like i don't know like i just started thinking like how in the world did this get here there's a condom on a junior high track i mean i guess junior high kids be fucking these days but uh i mean certainly there was kids fucking in our junior high not a lot of them it was it was news whenever they were fucking you we know? had an anal virgin <laughs> congratulations yeah that was a big story uh, goddamn unicorn yeah um Dude, she's technically still a virgin <laughs> yeah uh what I, i'm not gonna say that <laughs> um but uh i i mainly like i i i was not a fucking as a middle school uh, was child either, to be clear um but uh i definitely had condoms did you oh that was the height of just like excitement like just uh the, just always the, be ready the first time, somebody, you know, somebody wants the wants the hog i don't even really think that it was that i really don't like it i don't was think just contraband that you wanted to yeah like, it's have. just it was in that category of things right. that i knew i wasn't supposed to have and i could and, and it was pretty high up the pyramid <laughs> and anytime i could score some points in that game i i wanted to and so I I think that it was uh the, I remember the first time I ever like encountered a condom in the wild and like one of the older kids came back was like holy shit there's condoms in there and I was like what's a condom uh was just they had them in the uh if you get far enough out of town 
the uh, convenience store uh, bathrooms. Like, oh yeah, for sure. In Dallas, it's pretty rare to walk into a bathroom and there be a condom dispenser. Yeah, but uh, you know, get 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 out past Wichita Falls on a Boy Scout camping trip. It's a different story. And they're all like banana flavored. Yeah, like which uh, meant, led me to believe that most of the time that you wore a condom, you were getting your dick sucked. <laughs> to which I don't know that I've ever actually seen in the wild or in porno or like heard from people. That's a common thing, like flavored condoms. That and uh, another thing that I've never actually, uh, I think I have bought one as a gag before, but I thought that if not every time, most of the time that you fingered a girl, you did it with some sort of little finger pro- <laughs> i think it was called Just like a, fr- a fr- no but it, like it was to be safe but it also had like ribs like it was like it was called like a french tickler or something yeah, yeah. that it, was it, that always stands out too because one of the kids came back it was like they got the good shit in that bathroom. They got the French tickler. <laughs> like, just imagine even whenever you were like in like college or your early twenties, like if you're dating, if you pulled out a rib <laughs> finger kind of like, uh, I got something new for you here. Like, you would be laughed out of the room. Yeah, um, I'd be fairly insulted if I were a lady. Yeah, I feel like any less than uh, five hundred sexual partners, and that's not necessary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I know that thing is, uh, is it's basically been numbed like it's at the dentist. <laughs> I'm going to wake that up with a little French, French tickler. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess I just started thinking, like, where, did some kids fuck on the track at night? You know? Are there maybe some hobos? Maybe some homeless? Yeah. Because, you, you know, anybody values safe sex. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> it's the homeless. Yeah, they, they get it. Not sure what to do with Joe Biden and Corn Pop. Uh, everyone's probably heard it by now. I was disappointed to find out that it's old audio. It's from like 2017 or something. But it's old audio, and apparently he's been, uh, I mean, you know. Somewhat vindicated. Well, he's, well he's, been, he's been verified of the veracity. He's been bragging about it for pretty much since oh, it happened. Oh, right. It was in his book. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure he said it sometime before then. Like, you know, he... Uh, I mean, how many times have you taken on gang members and then not told anyone about it after, you know? Exactly. None. Especially if I was white. Yeah. You know, like that would be a, it's just so, it's, it's so fucking exciting to think about the stuff that he'll say on stage with Trump, you know, like somehow, like they're pretty close to the same age, right? Gotta be. Doesn't Trump seem so much younger just on moments like that? <laughs> like Trump- It's crazy that we've spent... Trump's entire presidency by being like, look how fucking dilapidated his facilities are, yeah. his faculties. Words. Um, and uh, and now now we got a guy who we're like, so Trump's definitely sharper than him, yeah, right? Viral is all get out. I mean, he gets up there with his shirt halfway unbuttoned at some sort of a teen, like a teen center, a community center that I would only imagine, I can only uh, reckon is in some sort of an urban area in Delaware because every single kid they have around him is black. And Wilmington's the big city, my man. I'm sorry, dude. 100% of the time, an 80-year-old white man in a suit is standing at a lectern with 20 black teenagers around him. That is going to be a funny image to me because they could not have given a shit less about what he was talking about. So to make sure that he could lure in, you know, re- the kids to his, uh, give him the hook. First of all, he strolls in with his shirt halfway unbuttoned like a real cool cat, you know? Yeah. Oh, she's home. You're good. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and turn this baby monitor off. That's right. Podcasting over pediatrics. We, uh, 
You made about an hour there. That wasn't bad. There you go. Uh, Sorry, continue. And just the fact that he's telling a story that involves pomade and swim caps into public pool and corn pop and straight razors and tired shit. Like, dude, he has fucking lost it. <laughs> and he doesn't know it. And it's awesome. Yeah, That's just what's the, so great about it. The way he's telling it, where he's like, yeah. corn pop. Oh, you, everybody knows the legend of corn pop. Like, that I was it's probably more on me that, like, uh, I just didn't have any, like, I had, to, I had to listen to it twice to, like, have any fucking clue what's going on here. And maybe that's just not having the context, but also that is a very common old person move, is not giving you the context. Yeah, yeah, just definitely, just parachuted into the narrative. <laughs> <laughs> just nothing. So it was me and Louie. <laughs> <laughs> Do we know Louie? <laughs> uh and then he, yeah, just the part where he's talking, you know, in those days, they used to bang straight razors on the curve to get them sharper. <laughs> like, it's just all Put so them in water. Let them rust. West get Side them. Story. <laughs> oh, just, yeah. Uh, straight razors. Uh, okay, so I told you on the... on the uh, How many people we got in this country, Jake? Uh, 300 million. Give me a rough guess. We can't, we can't find two. That are that that have a working brain to uh to, to run for the, uh, well, the nomination. You know that's not, that's that is the most Starbucks uh, waiting for your coffee political take you've ever had. <laughs> Can't find two. I saw the other day on the old dog and baby walk, which I gotta say, because Biden's got it. Like it's we're just gonna yeah, be yeah, picking this between is a exercise and these uh, masturbatory. We're trying to move the party platform at this point, as opposed to like actually elect anybody that we think would be worth a shit. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm resigned to this. Yeah, and long time ago. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get revenge on everyone who spent the entire last time being like, you know, I mean, there's just no one for me to vote for, you know. How so? Well, just like I, I just got tired. Like I, I felt, you know. I I did not want to wander into a yeah, situation where I am again defending Hillary Clinton. I I don't want to do that. I think she's terrible. Especially not on the one that everyone doesn't have to pay for to yeah, suffer a good through. Point. Whatever. Uh, but you know, plenty plenty of people. I I, I was fairly annoyed by everyone's take of like uh you know well it's all bad. Well, there's no difference. Not that I can tell. You know, so, yeah, wh- whatever. It's bad, whatever. But I mean, right. I, also there's something to that. The good thing is, um, is that it's going to be literally impossible for any foreign power to hack joe biden's telegrams <laughs> or or the fucking carrier the phonograph. <laughs> yeah uh but no i was gonna say like as a, as a man who walks the dog and the baby together uh-huh. every day and goes towards the uh more expensive houses behind us uh for two reasons one uh they seem to get their sidewalks in order mm-hmm. uh our street it's a fucking disaster all the way down turns out that the street that's full also, of, you have sidewalks yeah that's true sounds a little privileged to me the uh i almost honestly would probably rather not have them because then it would be clear you're supposed to be on the street yeah and people yeah. wouldn't be assholes about it but well instead, our streets are worse than your sidewalks so pr- probably so but it turns out that the street the side of the street that is nothing but duplexes uh-huh. uh they haven't touched the sidewalk since i moved there yeah if you go to two streets behind where the houses are double uh, the sidewalks are good, and everybody has trees creating a nice canopy so the sun doesn't uh, get in the baby's eyes. Nice. And the degree of poon is considerably higher for those morning uh, walks. I think yeah. if, I think the baby and the dog combo, if 
you were a single man somehow. I think that's a that's that shit very is disarming. That shit is true. Yeah, with the stories about that. But anyways, um, I don't even remember what I was going to tell you. Oh yeah, uh, as I told you last week on the Patreoni, I went to go see. Um, da- now I remember what I was telling you about the dog walk. I saw a, a sign in someone's front yard that uh, <laughs> any functioning adult twenty twenty. <laughs> know what i mean bro anybody would be well better. uh they're not gonna get it no they're not so i went to go see downton abbey uh with my wife she watched all eight seasons of this show that i think was probably bbc first run and then maybe on netflix or maybe it was on pbs here. yeah yeah uh what is the name of the pbs it's like bbc masterpiece or something yeah but i think maybe it got picked up by one of our streaming services how we too. get sherlock too okay yeah. Um, and she watched all of it and was obsessed with it. There was numerous times where I would come home from Mavs post game or something. She would be crying, and I would be watching Brit- British people. British. There's a lot of crying in British TV shows. At least ones about like uh, I don't know. It seemed like there was a lot of like death and childbirth. It's covering a time where even for people who had it pretty good, I think things kind of were shitty. There was a lot of like you know this person died from. I don't know. They had ticks in their meat pie or something. I don't know. Ticks <laughs> like in their meat pie. It was a fucking. It looked like a bummer. Yeah, I just. It's so yeah. hard. Like it's such war, a war and stuff. I don't know. Because I look at and that not show. Even showing the poor people. I look at that show. Oh yeah, no, of course. Uh, and I'm like, boy, it looks like that sucks. And then like Bob comes in, and he's like, I'm watching the show now, and yeah. you just want to be like, what a fucking idiot. That show sucks. And then he hits you with, well, have you seen it? Yeah. I'm like. Well, I guess I have no idea about the quality of the show. That's true. I mean, he's right. He is right. Yeah. And I and I I just hate that that is the case. I hate that in order for you to know that something sucks, you have to actually like invest some time to figure out if it sucks. But yes, but he would not have watched it if if it wasn't a couple show. You know, I I, I wouldn't have got into the Bachelor. I think that he said that the entire time. Yeah, and I wouldn't have got into the Bachelor or Bachelorette if it wasn't something that you know we could watch and laugh at together. But now, yeah, that's what my wife says. I would 100% still watch it by myself. About me. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah, exactly. You got her. She's like, yeah, he really wants to see couch. it, so I guess. Uh, but so, but I mean, that's ironic, and it's not trying, no, it's not really ironic. I, I promised myself I wouldn't use that word anymore. It can be enjoyed on a couple different levels. It's funny as fuck. Uh, really, I can't enjoy it on the, the serious, straightforward level. <laughs> I'd say only the second level is the one that appeals to me. I don't know if anybody does. You know, uh, I think I, almost everybody is laughing at how ridiculous it is. All the people that, I mean, I think that is the way that a large part of the audience, certainly all the people that like we interact with are, uh, are, are taking it in. But just whenever someone comes on the show that has seen the show a bunch of times or like anytime they describe themselves as like an earnest Bachelor fan, like the, the people that are featured on The Bachelor as having watched The Bachelor, none of them look like they're enjoying this three different ways. They just love hearing about love. Maybe that's the case, but do you think anybody actually gives a shit what happens to those people? Absolutely. I think that there are... Okay, now as I said that, I do feel like America was very sad for Hannah for like a 48-hour period. Okay, that's a bad point on my part. Um, So I went to go see it at a... We don't have an Alamo draft house near us, otherwise I would have been there. We went to a, a movie tavern, which is, you know, I think they would admit a step below. Um. And it was over on West 7th, so it's not like I was in, you know, uh, you know, uh, 
fucking Bridgeport or something. You know, I was in still in like a, in on West Seventh, mm-hmm. and uh, we go in, and it was a Thursday night, like seven o'clock showing, uh, but it wasn't like it was full. You know, it was probably like two thirds full, half to two thirds. Okay. And the first thing I'll tell you is that we were there pretty early. But even as it filled in, we were definitely the youngest people there, like 100%. All right. And it was almost all couples, save for maybe three or four groups of like four women. Yeah. They were like in yeah, their yeah. 50s or 60s. And the first thing is um, we had assigned seats. So Do you I think that whenever they discussed their husbands, the groups of four women, that they were always respectful? No, I definitely don't think so. I think it probably sounded a lot more... <laughs> like a, a woman talking about uh, her ex who used to run the Diamondbacks. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe worked for pro athletes. Not a lot of respect there, yeah. Yeah. So uh, the first thing I'll tell you that was hilarious, and I know this is going to happen to all of us. It's probably kind of already happening, you know. Um, but on the other hand, maybe the fact that uh, we somewhat work in media like keeps you – kind of technologically involved but i saw right out of the gate lights go down and the previews are going and the seat to my right is empty but the three next to that one was lady lady husband so okay. those are obviously two couples and husband number two is not there yet and he has the empty seat next to me mm-hmm. and so a guy walks they in put a coat over it <laughs> a guy walks in uh and he has an assigned seat one uh, two, you know, it's a pretty small theater. It was not like a huge, like Marvel opening type theater. And the lady who is sitting next to the empty seat stands up. Oh no. Turns this on, on her phone, the full flashlight and starts waving it like a fucking air traffic controller. And she's like, Dawn, Dawn. Like full volume, like and it's just previews, but still, like she's waving it, and he's like looking up there. But of course, all he can see is the blinding fucking light in a dark theater. Yeah, and already I'm just like, this is gonna be awesome. Um, it's kind of just a private screening for you, you fucking bitch. Yeah, that's good. So he finally like makes his way up there. He's doing like the shield his eyes thing because she like kept it on way too long, <laughs> and so uh, that's point one. He gets set down. Um, and then to roast my wife a little bit. Now I will tell you as a point two B before I address two A, a corollary for a sh- if you're going to make a movie about a TV show that was on that long, I think the way you almost have to do it is the way they did it, which it covers like a two day event. You know what I mean? Like they don't yeah. try to prolong the narrative in any sort of like, uh, like drawn out, like character development sense. They're kind of both doing... Like, we're just make a movie about a wedding in Dubai. What was that? Sex in the City. Okay. That, okay, so that's exactly probably where they got the template or whatever. That's what Actually, they did. Actually, I think that was the second Sex in the City movie, if you're interested. But Okay, but you see what I'm saying. Yes, though. yes. And yes. it's also yeah. something that I kind of uh, enjoy in movies anyways, which is not trying to do too much yeah. arc at once. And even if you hadn't seen the show, uh, I think you could enjoy it. And if you had seen the show... Um, then you maybe just had a little bit extra flavor for what the characters were like. But so... Pulp Fiction covers about 48 hours, so I feel like we're good there. Okay, I've certainly heard that. Yeah. Uh, I mean... Yeah, have you been prepared that it's not in sequence? No. Okay. 
But, it's 48 hours, but it's not 48 hours in a row. Yeah, neither is like Reservoir Dogs, right? Yeah. That that was like, especially because uh, True Romance, he wrote it that way. Okay. That it would be out of sequence, but that was the one thing Tony Scott was like, what are you doing, dude? Just make it fucking contiguous. So he wrote True Romance, but didn't direct it? Yeah, he wrote True Romance, and he had the True Romance and Reservoir Dogs scripts ready, and the theater was like, you're fucking nobody. We're not going to let you write and direct two movies. Pick one. Okay. And so they bought the True Romance script off him. And he liked Tony Scott. He was always very supportive of it. And I love Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. That's a top 20 if I were to start listing movies for me for sure. Um, so what they have to do, and this is they did this kind of in Reservoir Dogs too, now that I think about it. In any movie that's like an ensemble cast – um that's also got to kind of get going pretty quickly not like hey we can introduce this guy in hour 40 or minute 45 of the movie there's kind of like a uh a scene that moves from location to location like maybe particularly in one house or one bar or whatever where you're kind of introducing everybody back in Mm -hmm. so there's like a the the british nobility complaining about tipping you know what I guess I didn't know is that the people from Downton Abbey are like not nobility. Like they are, but they're like viewed as pretty shitty by the king and queen, which is kind of like the whole point of the movie. Yeah. Um, but anyways, there's a lady who has to walk. It was not about tipping. Uh, there's a lady who's walking around and she's like, you know, there's music playing and it's almost like a tracking shot where she's like going from place to place in the house, like the kitchen and everything. And at one point... Like maybe ten minutes in, whenever they get to uh, you know one of the guys who's like the patriarch, she kind of like nudged me, and I looked over, and with tears welling up, she goes, "They're all here." (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, whenever Mulder and Scully appear on screen together, that's how I feel. I really shouldn't be laughing. Uh, I, I I should. Create a space in our, our world oh, for uh, people to have that reaction. God, but grief, I was dying, man. Uh, I was dying. She was just like, was like seeing like all the apostles all together at once, and like, oh, they brought everyone back. They're all here, and I'm like, how the fuck would I know that in the first place? You're telling somebody who's never seen this show, anyways. But well, yeah, it's I'm a glad movie I'm, about I'm, them. I'm, I'm glad. confused as to why they would fucking. I guess she like hadn't looked into it and thought like maybe it was like about half the people because like some of the people come in from out of town right then, and she's like, oh my god, like it felt very childlike, uh, which like, is great. Wonder, yeah, you know, I was very happy uh, for. Her. Yeah, yeah, you want your loved ones to experience such moments. So uh, there was also a, funny when they do. There was a, a pretty hot guy in the movie that was um, like uh, maybe the the lead butler, and he goes into one of the towns, and you know away from the castle, and uh, he meets up with this other guy, and I knew right away like oh they're setting this up to be these two dudes are gay. Um, I don't know if there's something about like if you've seen enough gay in television and movies since the time you were 10 years old you kind of know like when they're trying to telegraph to you that like this dude's kind of looking at this guy like hey maybe later yeah like mindhunter i'd say one second into that scene it was like oh trying to pick up the bartender is it season two yeah okay i haven't seen that yet. okay i apologize but i i've seen him i feel like i've seen a million of those type of scenes and you know well now i've really spoiled it you know that i'll get to it yeah a lady picks up a lady in a bar Ooh, I'm not, I think I'd have a tougher time with that. Okay. With lesbians. Yeah. Lesbos, as they're called, mm-hmm. I think is the yeah. proper. That's what SNL wants you to call them. Uh-huh. 
Um, so anyways, they, you know, they kind of, they, 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 there's like, uh, I don't know, maybe they go back to the castle for a little bit and then they come back to the scene where they're going to, uh, he's like, Hey, come on, let's go. Let's get out of here. Like I'll show two you second time. review to uh, season two better than season one. Mind really? My, my, my opinion. Okay. I was pretty meh on season one. Really felt like season two, I had to kick, kick it up a notch to keep me. I'd say it definitely kept me. I liked season one. I just thought it was weird the way it ended because I didn't know if there was going to be a season two. So I kind of didn't know if I should be dissatisfied or not. Like I yeah, felt like the beginning uh, and middle were a lot better than the end. Yeah. And yeah. then like it just kind of like farted and fell down at the end. And I'm like, okay, well, it was an enjoyable ride, but is it over or what did we? There was like no resolution basically. Yeah. And at the time, I didn't know anything about a second season, but no, I'm excited to, I'll do that for sure. If you do gemstones, I will. Okay. So uh, we come back to the two dudes in a bar, and one guy's like, you know, let's get out of here. I'll show you the town. And they go to what? Show is, you my dick. Show you the dick. What is basically like a speakeasy. You know, the guy slides open the like, see the uh, little eye slot. And he's like, all right, come on in. And they come in and it's like a jazz club of all guys. And uh, at this point, they're just kind of like, it's just dancing. And again, I'm easily the youngest person or we're the youngest couple in this crowd. Um. As with in the movie, there's not a non-white there, which I don't know if that doesn't really like play into the story at all. I'm just trying to paint for you the fact that despite what you might be thinking about type of people who watch just British TV shows, it just felt like there might be a particularly uh, – Trump would play well, right? Yeah. Now, also – Same time we get a room full of whites together. Yeah, that's, are. that's all I really needed to say. And they were older. Also, I don't know about you – but I don't feel totally comfortable going with the full recline at the movie guy. And I don't know if movie taverns go further than Alamo Drafthouse or not. But, like, I swear to you, every single adult, and maybe it's just because they're all old, but every single adult in this movie theater was basically at, like, a 15-degree angle to the ground with their feet up on foot rest, like, basically in their man cave, right? Yeah, I do not intend to apologize for my lifestyle. You know, I, that's why I thought you might be like... Come I, and take it, motherfucker. Well, because they I don't even really have a good reason why it. I'm not doing it. You know, other than it just seems weird to be that relaxed in a public space. I want to I be that relaxed at all times. So that's the scene. Everyone is sitting like that, uh-huh. except me. Yeah. And at one point when they're fucking... And what are you getting out of being uncomfortable? Uh, superiority, I guess. Like, perceived, but that's about it. At one point... The rest of the room ain't giving you that. No. No, they were way too focused on what was about to happen on the screen, mm-hmm. which was uh, Hunk 1 pulls Hunk 2 in after a, a twirl and a dance and big old mouth kiss, right? Like a big hot guy kiss. Hell yeah. And I'm not kidding. The guy next to me, probably 60, 55 to 60, in his full recline, go puts his hands over his eyes and goes, Ugh! <laughs> Fuck yeah. And... I was paying, I knew what was coming, so I was paying very close attention. He wasn't the only one that had like an audible groan. It was just the best one. But it was the best one. It was right next to me, and yeah. he covered his eyes like a, the see no evil monkey and goes, oh! Like and, he wished his parents were there to do it for him whenever uh, there's yeah. the kissing scene on the screen, but and they're not, so he's going to have to step in. I was 10% under the influence, so it's not like I was like out of my mind or anything. Uh-huh. Audible laughter. 
<laughs> because all yeah, I could think, have to. all I could think was, and the point, it's the covering of the eyes. I forgot to tell you this too. Whenever the first shot of Downton Abbey, the castle occurred uh-huh. uh, at the full start of the show, through the audience, and all, was it really full applause? Oh and, God, and, that's great. and he was one of them. Yeah, all all four members of this yeah. party next to us is clapping. The fucking building. So I know he's seen the show. In fact, I might say, I might say that I'm the only person in the theater that hadn't. But that I, makes sense. What I can confirm is that he had because he was clapping, clapping at the aerial shot of a ca- fucking castle. So I know he's seen the show. So we fast forward back about an hour to where, oh, and I fucking lose it because all I can think is, my man, you watched eight seasons of prestige fucking British television about women curtsying and offering one line clips to each other. Yeah. We're at Downton Abbey right now. Easily the gayest shit either one of us are ever going to do. What he's done is is much gayer than yes, kissing a man. And you're disgusted by that. Yeah. How the fuck are you grossed out by that? You watched this pithy old woman like get into catty remarks back and forth on Sunday night with a glass of Merlot. Mm, with Cassandra's your so good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you have the fucking gall to be disgusted by a man kiss. God, that's great. I could not pull it together, dude. And like. I I was uh, in the bathroom with those same dudes afterwards, just sucking each other off. No, uh, <laughs> like I could hear them talking. And uh, one of them was like, what'd you think? And he was like, I enjoyed it. He was like, I just, I felt like they were trying a little too hard in a couple parts. And I wanted so bad to be like, Which the part? man kiss. <laughs> <laughs> was it the man kiss, sir? <laughs> uh, so all in all, uh, I don't even know if the movie sucked or not. I just know it was the most fun I've had at a non- Bad radio movie of the month night in fucking forever. It was like that Best audience experience, but just for you. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, by accident. Yeah. Yeah. Um have you uh I I know, listen, at this point, OJ Simpson's putting a lot of videos out into the world, and I, I don't think it'd be reasonable to expect someone to watch all of them. I'm uh, a couple days behind. Okay, well this this wasn't a couple days. This was just uh this is like a week ago. Um, and I just don't feel like it's gotten the play that it deserves on the internet. I don't, I don't think that anyone, uh, like I made a lot of jokes about it around it, uh, to myself and my friends who were just off camera laughing, uh, <laughs> but, All-time uh, classic me. but I didn't, I didn't see anyone else doing so. Uh, it was whenever juice was talking about the Antonio Brown thing. It was whenever Brown had been cut, but had not been signed by the Patriots yet. And, uh, you know, as you're aware, OJ decided to draft Antonio Brown on his fantasy team. Okay, I think I did see this one. As you're further aware, nothing matters in his life more right now to OJ than his fantasy team. Yeah. Uh, and he was just kind of having a heart-to-heart with Antonio Brown, who you probably can't talk to, you right. know. Uh, so so he's just going to put the video on Twitter, hope hope AB sees it. So uh, he's he's just going, and I, I should have cut off the audio, but whatever. Fuck it's it, the I most didn't. depressed I've ever heard OJ Simpson. It is. He's, he's he beside himself. A, I'm just saying. <laughs> he did. He's pushing that catchphrase <laughs> so hard. But it's versatile, though, you know? He can hit you with a high. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Does he have to end every single video with it, though, is, is my question. You know, there's something, but if there's something unique about a guy who got away with murder and everyone knows yes. it, that being his catchphrase. Like, yeah. hey, what are you going to, it's very, what are you going to do? <laughs> I wish it actually was, what are you going to do? I thought, I thought the one after uh, AB got accused where Juice was like, so I'm watching the sports center this morning and 
If there's one thing that uh, I hate, it's when these sports guys decide that they're court reporters. <laughs> I'm like, brother. You know anything about court reporters, Jess? <laughs> or sports guys, perhaps thinking they yeah. want to wade into jurisprudence. And he kept saying... I wonder where he developed that opinion. He was like, I heard someone say this morning that, uh, you know, you know that uh, this woman is lying because she's asking for $75,000. He's like, uh, any dummy knows that $75,000 is the minimum that you can ask for on this sort of suit. Like, spit out all this legalese. It was like, damn, Juice. <laughs> you uh, you talked to any lawyers lately? <laughs> how, do you, how do you know all this? I would like to know... And I, you probably could say this for a lot of people who have like a lot of money who are not shady. I would like to know the longest he's gone without talking to a lawyer in the last 30 years. Yeah. Uh, it can't be a full week. It's, yeah, it's, it's days. <laughs> it's got to be just days. Definitely measured in days. But he, he was uh, having a bit of a, a heart-to-heart with uh, Antonio and was just, you know, like, a, hey. You need to get it together. You need to. You got a golden opportunity in front of you. You're, you're gonna lose it. We need this. You need to improve yourself. And his big idea for how to improve himself was he needed to go to the Bahamas to 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 feed people with Chef Jose Andres. Okay, I could. I had no idea what he was talking about. Who is Chef Jose Andres? Uh, I'm surprised you don't know. He's like. Uh, uh, okay, I've seen this guy before. Yeah, like. He's he's a very politically active chef, and like he's done a very, a lot of very good things. Okay, and you know, like uh, like if 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 Trump's doing something, you know, like he'll he'll like fly out to like one of the migrant centers and like uh, cook everyone a meal. You know, okay. like uh, all the asylum claimies. You know, he'll be like, hey, um, you know, here's some delicious food. And so, like, whenever something like a hurricane happens, like, like I, uh, NPR has heavily covered this, so I, I could tell you a little bit about it, that he, like, whenever heard the hurricane that Bahamas was in the path, like, set up a ground zero uh, in, uh, what's the big city in the Bahamas? Uh, Nassau. Yeah. Okay. He, uh, he set up a big uh, ground zero there to just, just be ready with uh, being able to get to the problem areas and everything. So he is doing ama- amazing work. But this very much feels like uh, if your kid got caught with pots, you sent him on like a church trip. Like go build a fucking church in, uh, you know, Malaysia. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that noted fucking wife killer oj simpson is looking at a receiver who he only cares about because he's on his fantasy team you gotta, and is like you gotta better yourself son, you, gotta, you gotta pull it together you gotta go meet with chef jose andres that will fix all of this i mean it's an idea you it know? felt it to me because i didn't know who it was i thought it was like a self-help person i thought it felt very tim tafty to me like when he was like, you need to go see this. Like I thought it was like a guy he knew who was like yeah, his, I mean, his not, support rock or okay, something. Okay, yeah. No, I don't think that uh, OJ's ever met him. Okay. But, uh, he but just I, saw I, it on the news. I, I definitely yeah, that's all happened. I definitely do think that uh, if Antonio spent a lot of time with Chef Jose Andres, that like he probably could like give him some perspective. Um, you know, I, I bet that there are people in uh, his life that talk about him the way that uh, Bill Walton talks about Tim Taft. But it was, uh, it, it, you're right. Like it, it felt very like news mad libs. We're just, we're reaching for whatever we got. Like that, that was what was funny about it to me is that, that the OJ's just sitting here, just taking in content. He's been, uh, in jail for a long time. So his, his content, uh, like, um, 
You know, it's like whenever you went off to Spain and didn't smoke weed while you were there. Right. And like whenever you came back, like the stuff that you used to just like smoke is like your fucking maintenance smoke in the morning would like knock you on your ass. <laughs> like he just he just wasn't ready for all this content and it's all streaming in and he's like Antonio needs to go see Chef Jose Andres. And if I remember the funniest thing about it was is he said he phrased it like Maybe go see Chef uh, Jose Andre in Bahamas. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm fucking, I'm, I'm grasping, bro. Spitballing here. <laughs> yeah. Um, remember when I bought those Trump straws? Yes, I do. Can I tell what you, you got there? something that happens whenever you do that? Uh, you get other Trump stuff. So I thought, TC, that I was being summoned by this very official looking document mm-hmm. for jury duty. Okay. Or perhaps for some sort of a, uh, I don't know, some sort of a uh, official uh, government type thing that, that required me to report. Read that top part there and then unfold what I have for you in my hand. All right. Bubba. This is your final notice. What's the top part? It's a special notice part? I've been selected. You've been selected to represent voters in Texas's 12th congressional district. Enclosed, please find documents registered in your name. Uh, yes, Jake, your participation is urgently needed. Okay. Um, urgently needed for what? Uh, it says it's got a congressional district census. Yeah. Let me see here. What part I'm As a key for. facet. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I think you might've oh, just my. found the gold. There. As a key facet of our overall strategy to ensure president Trump is reelected, the Republican party is conducting a census of key members that's right buddy and congressional <laughs> districts all across our nation the that's opinions right. registered in this document will be used to help build a nationwide grassroots network that will help show that president trump has the support of the american people to continue to move forward and act on the critical issues facing our populism at work now what i'd like you to do is play a random game uh-huh. Uh, because there's too many questions on there for us to do this all on the podcast. But I would like you to just – it's two-sided as well. Uh, you <laughs> okay. can uh, – from you go back to the front if you'd like and just select questions and read to me the way in which these questions are worded, and then let's guess how I'll answer them. I got one I like already. Okay. Do you think the Democrat Party as a whole is promoting a big government socialist agenda for America? Strong agree. <laughs> it's yes, no, or unsure. Oh, you don't okay. get to pick strong agree. <laughs> do, do, do you believe that the national media has a strong bias against all things Donald Trump and Republican and fails to tell American voters the real facts about Republican policies, principles, goals, and accomplishments? That one's wordy. You already know. <laughs> do you approve or disapprove of adding a question to the u.s census regarding citizenship why stop at one question <laughs> are you concerned that a foreign nation such as russia iran or china will interfere with the 2020 presidential election nah, <laughs> nah. do you think political correctness has gotten out of hand in america <laughs> I mean, have you seen this SNL news? <laughs> how close are your? Uh, how close do you think your views are to other voters in your community? Uh, probably more extreme. <laughs> do you think that Nancy Pelosi and the Demo- Democrat-controlled House are holding President Trump's agenda hostage and putting their political interests ahead of the good of our country? Follow the money. <laughs> what are the other ones? <laughs> There's this, they're broken up there's, into categories. There's so many. And stuff. Yeah, the, the first, yeah. 
it's just uh, section one is political profile. That's where I got the how do you think your views are close to the right. those in your community. Section two is general issues. Uh, I really like like that one. Um, let me make sure I didn't miss any good ones there. Uh, no, I didn't. And then uh, then we go to uh, section three domestic issues. Section four national defense. Yeah, there's a funny one too. That's and like that certification and reply where you can put your credit card information. Indeed, you can. Uh, <laughs> Why does the regular census do that? I don't think so. But imagine how many people get that. They're you know again in that seventy year old range, and they're like, oh, well, I guess they need some of my money to count me in the census because it looks like an official document, right? There's no red on it. There's no blue on it. It's fucking black and white. It's got a barcode. Hey, let me ask you. Yeah. Do you support President Trump's efforts to secure our nation's southern border by building a wall? Yes. Yes. Only if I get a a grant for Harvey Wallbangers, but. This one's a, a little fucked up. They're they're trying they're trying to make sure you don't just go down like you're talking about and check yes on every single one. Right. So they changed up the answers here. Uh-huh. Do you believe Obamacare should be repealed and replaced or simply fixed? So Ooh. there is there is no fucking point <laughs> twister. There is no option for like uh, I think it's good. Yeah. <laughs> Which like you know fair enough. There's uh, several in there where there's not really an option for I think what we have is pretty good. Yeah, but uh, yeah, then they've got a box for appeal, replace, fixed, or unsure. See if you can find the ISIS one. Like we'll do our last one. It's something like, do you think we should stop ISIS? Or something. There's something in there. It's like, do you think that President Trump should be trying to uh, stop the the growth of radical Islamic terrorists? And here we go. Do you support or oppose? So again, they're not letting you do a yes, no, no opinion. Do you support or oppose the United States sending ground troops to areas to destroy ISIS and other radical Islamic terrorist groups? Yeah. No. I. Uh, I. I think we should. Uh, we should let them fester <laughs> and, and perhaps train them on flight simulators. Do you agree with yeah. Republicans' commitment to continue to fully fund a missile defense shield for our nation to protect now, us I will tell from you, future missile threats? I was unaware that there was even a notion that we were going full Israel and that we needed a missile defense shield. I, that, that one had missed me. I mean, that's always, like, since I was a kid, you know, like, uh, Star, Wars? Star Wars. Is that what they mean? Uh, okay, it's not like the dome thing. It's just their best idea for whenever they, like, you know, um, sit in a writer's room to talk about what's the best way we can continue to devote pretty much all of the budget of the <laughs> la- nation's sole superpower like, into defense uh, spending. Space? <laughs> uh, they're sure, like, that's expensive. Yeah, Missile Defense Shield. Uh, the last thing I real quick thing I have for you is uh, then we can see what else you have or we can pivot into. Is it okay to still say uh, the C word that rhymes with Brinks? Uh, <laughs> but and we'll see how your Macaulayan blood boils. Yeah, that's uh, right. The side of these racist attacks. It's good we can have someone uh, who represents the community. Um, you know, to that's talk what I thought. I thought issues. It would be weird if two white guys sat down to talk about it two would. white it guys. It would. But as a, a man of mixed race yourself with a, uh, yeah. a tri ethnic daughter, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's not like the, the one Caucasian, I mean, I mean, You're adding it's, an Irish, too. It's you know? informed by my experience growing up as an Asian American. I can tell you how people react to Asian Americans. An Irish Asian American. Yeah, yeah. So just yeah. particularly. Uh, so have you in your life ever used a Coinstar? No, because it's a fucking scam. Okay. So when I was a kid, I don't remember how. I guess it was probably... M- 
Actually, uh, I probably had to use it that first time to figure out that it was a scam. You know, I guess I first started using it because there was one at the grocery store that I worked at. And back in those days, in the uh, you would still it was way more common to take people's carts out for them. Like I don't see anybody doing that ever now. Uh, every once in a while. I mean, you got, but yeah. for the real olds. But I mean, yeah. I wasn't that wasn't the only people that asked me. Yeah. Like on Sunday, if you were coming through and buying a full week of groceries, and you were forties, fifties mom, they would ask you to take the cart out. Yeah. And they would oftentimes tip you like fifty cents or a yeah. dollar and quarters or change or whatever. And that I didn't have a bank account, you know, and I don't, I didn't have even really, I didn't have a car. So the idea of like, oh, I'm going to go to the bank and somehow get, you know, these rolled and get money for them. I'm like, fuck it. I'll just use the Coinstar. And it was like six and a half percent, which is a grift. No doubt about it. But, uh, in very typical grandparent fashion, Last time uh, Kristen's family from uh, Louisiana came up, her grandma came with them, and she brought us a bag of coins. Like uh, it was Hell like in yeah. a gift bag, almost not like like a, like something you would br- bring to like a, a shower. Just been saving all her coins yeah. for you. I don't. I mean, I guess she just had them and thought like, oh shit, I'm going up there. They can have them, them and it was coins. a lot, you know. And so I had been meaning to do it. All right. And then I just was like, I, we were, were moving. So we're cleaning out our house and we found him again. And I was like, I don't know. I got to. And you I went like, to Coinstar? Well, it's right by, it was right by somewhere I was already going, which is the, it's in the same parking lot as the place where, yes, I know you make fun of me that I don't shave my own dog, but I, I can't do it. She's too fucking big. So it was in the same, uh, the Tom Thumb is in the same, like right there by the pet's place. So I just was like, I don't know, shit, I'll just take this bag. And I also had a, a cup about this size, a uh, Rangers commemorative split lip <laughs> uh, full of coins. And I went in there. I think it's how you drink it. None of our other cups have the uh, split lip on it. Dave Ruff knows what I'm talking about. Tons of people experience the barbecue or sports split lip, and they well, will be sending pictures to us the second they hear all this. All of them are drinking it wrong then. I, I go powerful. to these cups time after time. It's powerful. And uh, just just fine. See, look at how you're holding it there. Well, what am I supposed to do? Just, Fucking, oh, that, <laughs> no, just hold it around the bed. <laughs> Jake's currently drinking with two hands on the cup. Kind of tilt. Do you feel like them. speaking of earlier, we were talking about like British peasant. Just go like, from the bottom. Do you feel like this is how they always show poor people drinking? Yes, yes. <laughs> like they lack the dexterity to hold a cup of liquid with one hand. Uh, so, first beaten move is you have to go- look up where is there a coin star because they're not everywhere like they used to be at every. Because uh, uh, some store. of us got wise. That's probably true. But so I'm like, ah, oh, fuck it. So I go in there and I don't immediately see it, but it's like in the back corner, uh-huh. like where the employees go back into their area. Like so, it's like in the yeah. sad kind of part of the grocery store. Yeah, where you have also, to think about working at a grocery where store. Where also, I and I did not know this, they have a vending machine for lotto tickets. Yeah, I've so seen I imagine that. there's a number of people who went right from one to the other. Yeah. Um, first thing that jumped out at me: no longer is it a six and a half, seven percent. It is an 11% grift on your coins now. Yeah. 11%. I got to make up those margins because they figured anyone who's still doing it is uh, so dumb they're not looking at it. (laughs) Probably. But (laughs) along those same lines, if you're so dumb, 
that you are going to use Coinstar like I am, is there a chance in fucking hell that you will receive your payment in Bitcoin? Like this? <laughs> no. <laughs> I swear to God. And I looked at it for a second and I was like, you know, I wonder if I could find my key code real quick and take a transfer for $45 in coins to be converted to 0. 0.0001 Bitcoin and hey, really uh, continue you, to ride the snake. You want this in cash or can I get you BTC? Now, the only thing more offensive to uh, my lack no. of intelligence, frankly, of Bitcoin was donate to a local charity oh fuck you yeah no you're still gonna take your 11 percent, aren't you i brought this down here like not to give it to a fucking charity if no. i didn't want this money i wouldn't have come here yeah you know what i would do if i had this much coins in this bag and i just wanted to go to charity i would drive my ass over to the shelters on lancaster where i also went a week ago by the way i think we forget because i don't spend a lot of time in south dallas it is eye-opening whenever you cross that line into a part of any big city that is still a goddamn third world country war zone i'm talking no respect for can i cross the street right now <laughs> probably 300 people you know homeless people in a two block area because there's two shelters right there absolute war zone yeah just shocking like i just was dropping off clothes that were not drop your pants ish and uh, I was thinking, look, if I had this many coins and I just wanted to donate them, I would just drive over there, open my window, <laughs> <start> <laughs> and just hit the gas <laughs> with the bag out and at least let everybody have fun with it. No, I'm not donating it. All right. I'll give coins to somebody on the corner can or a I, buck, uh, but I'm not, I'm not donating my coin star. Can I ask the question that I and the rest of the audience has been wanting to ask the entire time? How much was it? No. Why don't you just take it to a bank, dude? Yeah. Your bank will let you deposit that without taking anything from it. Because I thought it would take more time. Like, I thought if I, and I thought I'd have to go in to, you know, like, I don't like going into banks. That shit sucks. And I thought it would just take more time, you know, and you have to deal with a person. Like, that just seemed like way more of a beating that they would have to. And, like, ultimately. I mean, you could roll it. They like that I could roll it and then yeah, if you just walk in with it rolled and toss them. Don't you need like a machine for that? I think. In fact, I think my parents used to have one. Uh, My parents definitely, probably still have one. That's a fucking nifty little machine. Uh, That was a highlight of mine. Is my dad like if he if we came home and saw that he just put it in himself, we were like Tom, what the fuck? What are we even doing here? Yeah, it was. uh, He would get home, take out whatever change he had for the day. (laughs) Daniel and I would fucking punch each other in the face to see who gets to be the one put your little green visor on yeah <laughs> and watch Pit it roll bottom. down and like it, it automatically can tell if it's a quarter that's badass goddamn magic i'm gonna tell you something else uh that i was not expecting the the cup of coins that i have but you do not need that you could just put it in a roll by hand i'm not that's way too time consuming Wait, okay. dude, it was like 45 bucks so basically so that means it was the, four and a half dollars i think that's worth it for not having <laughs> to not. talk Here's something I didn't expect from this fucking xenophobic Coinstar machine. I guess, like, I had this cup of coins in addition to the bag from uh, Grandma, a lot of which had come from my car when I cleaned out my car one time. I think a bunch of it was, like, just random shit that I'd found cleaning up. And it definitely knows when you're trying to pass off foreign currency. Yeah. 
Like it spit back all the little, you know, Morocco pennies. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm like, come on, man. You don't know. <laughs> How do you know? Uh, here's where right up until this point, I'm glad to have paid my four and a half dollars to just avoid it. But what I forgot, because I haven't done this in almost 20 years, is that when you get your payment slip, you don't get money. You get a voucher and then you have to go to a cashier and they have to cash it out for you. Which is kind of beaten, you know, like when the musers talk about yeah, like if you like the most beaten thing you can see somebody buy at seven eleven like when you see the guy at like nine thirty who goes like bush thirty two ounce and like a taquito like a rolled up taquito, you're like Ugh. or like <laughs> yeah. long cut and like uh you know, I don't know it, it just yeah, it felt beaten, so I get up to the thing, and uh there's nobody there yet, like they're barely open. You know, it was like nine o'clock in the morning. And uh, I guess that probably opened a lot longer than that. That sounds stupid, but there was nobody there. And so the guy who was just kind of loitering, who was uh, on duty, uh, on patrol, like walked me over to one of the self-checkout deals because I guess it was easiest. And he was like, oh, I'll get you right here. So first of all, I felt kind of beaten handing him the, uh, the the deal. That's well, you should. But I think it was worth the four and a half uh, dollars for when uh, the guy goes, how are you this morning? And I was like, oh, pretty good. And he said, yeah, still waiting for that coffee to kick in. And uh, at this point, if he would have said 300 million people and we can't get two, I would have felt like that was <laughs> perfectly in line. Uh, but he said, uh, yes. It's because it's a good point. Everyone says it because it's a good point. <laughs> he says, uh, still waiting for the coffee to kick in. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I think I probably even, like, I don't even drink coffee, but I think I might have given a, boy, I heard that. <laughs> you ever find yourself doing stupid lame shit like that in small talk that you've been drug into yeah no like, i love it the second you say it, you're like i didn't mean any of that and i don't even identify with like oh, boy i heard that i mean driving uber i i get that opportunity ah, i guess that's true once a shift and uh i like putting on my normie costume yeah, it feels very normie costume yeah and then he goes uh just what if i could live life as one of you <laughs> <laughs> who covers his eyes when he sees two men kiss in yeah. a movie. I uh, and I'm like, yeah, I hear that. I wear shirts that say I uh, need coffee and Big Johnson. Also, uh, on the weekend have 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 a separate set that just has the same slogans, but in place coffee with wine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so then he says, yeah, you know, takes a while to kick in this morning, and then you know by the afternoon I'll be like. He's like, won't be able to shut down. You do know that. And I was like, man, yeah, I hear that. And he goes, yeah, you know, I guess it's an addiction. And I go, yeah, man, I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> and, I don't uh, think you were. And then he said, uh, but, uh, you know, I guess there's worse things to be addicted to. I was like, I was just thinking that same thing, too. And he goes, yeah, most of my friends still do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, this is the weirdest, like, 30 second interview. What, what a twist. <laughs> what do you live in a halfway house? Yeah. Uh, most of my friends still do drugs. And he was like, probably 40, which, okay, whatever. But it was just weird information to be sharing over my Coinstar transaction. Absolutely. So, uh, this guy got let go from SNL, right? Before he ever started. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we can do more on this on thursday um but one thing it made me think of if you don't know 
Shane Gillis was a comedian I'd never heard of. Apparently, a lot of comedians that I uh, am into. But a lot of times, really whenever you uh, you know uh, have a, someone hired for SNL, you hadn't previously heard of them. If they weren't in Good Burger, no, yeah, typically not. I uh, I loved Kyle Mooney's uh, guitar show bit. It's very similar to uh, yeah, that was good. Truly's guitar show bit. That was good. I knew of him beforehand. Yeah. What uh, no, okay. The Canadian guy who got hired on the league, I think they might have called him, his name on the show was Taco. Uh I knew about that guy for a long time. Oh, really? From YouTube. Okay. From his song, Ketchup Chips. (laughs) All right. He's a Canadian guy, but I guess I was thinking maybe he got on SNL at one point, but I don't think he did. I don't think he did either. But uh, if you haven't seen it, he got announced the same day that uh, I believe just one Asian cast member was announced. Bowen right? Yang. Bowen yeah, Yang. Yeah. And I'd heard that name before, by the way. Uh, I don't a know writer for SNL. Okay. Long time. Okay. Not, I don't know how long. But uh, yeah, they, they did good enough as a writer. They were like, you're a full-time featured cast member now. So this dude, Shane Gillis, um, mm-hmm. I guess like right after it gets announced that he is uh, being added to the cast... He is, uh, you know, someone digs through everything that he's been, that he's appeared on. See, I, A I, freelance I, comedy reporter named Seth Simmons. I don't know. I don't know if that's the case or not, but go ahead. Well, I don't want to derail you. What do you think happened? Um, I mean, central to my opinion of this whole thing is it seems to me like people who knew this guy, like, kind of had an awareness that this was... Uh, material that he like uh was not uh like this is the kind of shit he always does mm-hmm. and uh you know i i i in i have no idea i have no evidence to this but just in my head like imagining how it goes through is that uh you know this guy the writer or whatever sees shane's name pop up and is like the guy that does all the fucking offensive material well i bet i could dig through and find that in about five seconds you know like just like just fi- just start pop on one podcast and come to the first offensive thing and be like this shit you're hiring this guy that's how i imagine it going but uh I, prob- I don't know that's probably true i guess the flip side of that would be um is that same person who who posted it are they sending it to every comedy club that he gets booked on and being like or are they just kind of waiting for the big score? They're waiting to go to the vault. You know what I mean? Like they obviously knew that shit existed and were just waiting for an opportunity that was uh, like a big enough deal where they thought this is where I'm going to um, this is where I'm going to land my punch. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that it says a lot about America if like the largest club in Philly books the guy. Uh, whereas like, you know, I, I could see how people would feel differently about Saturday Night Live. What do you mean? Like, like the, the, we should expect to have a standard for like uh, people that appear on TV, and I guess you know that that is central to the entire argument is whether or not you do feel that there should be a standard. But I, I, I would think that if you really dig deep down and everyone's being honest, that like an avowed white supremacist uh, who like you know tried to like you know advance that through their comedy, like, and I, I'm sure that. Shane Gillis is being called a white supremacist based on that, but I, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about someone who is like uh, willing to say, like out front, like my primary views are right. that uh, we should exterminate all the other races from the face of the planet. Um, like someone like that uh, who also was really funny. Um, <laughs> would, would we wouldn't want to have them on <laughs> SNL? 
Like, I, I think that I would hope we could all agree on this. Right. Um, so it's it's really just uh, trying to determine where that line is. And, and so this, this person probably has a different line for uh, playing Carolines versus uh, being on SNL. And I, I, I think that's, uh, I don't know that I could, I don't know that that like is logical or that it like makes total sense. No, I think it is. But uh, it's certainly how we operate. I think it right? is. Like that's a norm. Because if we're saying that we would all probably be like, whoa, Carolines can't book the white supremacists, we all agree, then we're acknowledging that there is a line for everybody. Yeah. At which you're like, you can't prosper well i'm just saying like your your line for carolines and your line for snl are two different lines and i don't know if that makes sense but i think that is true yeah for different different people would like for me i'm not sure that that they are different but certainly there are people that that think that they are um and i I really don't think you can discount well let's get into like what he said first so like he's on a podcast and i misunderstood it first because when i first saw the clips i thought he was guesting on a podcast and my first thought was Whenever I found the actual podcast and not just the YouTube clip, it was like episode nine. And I'm like, I'm going to be honest with you. I, w- I wouldn't go on episode nine of someone's podcast right now. And we're fucking nobodies. If I'm a comedian, the likes of which is being considered for SNL, you are not going on anybody's episode nine. Like, hey, what, if, what if it's a uh, big, big deal? Like, How many episodes happen? has Corby done? If Corby asked you to go, you'd go. Don't give me this shit. Well, yeah, but I mean, I'm thinking of that more of like uh, he's, yeah, he's yeah, on episode yeah. seven thousand. Okay, really, I, I get what I get what you're saying. I thought it was just like two slapdicks who uh, met him in a bar and were like, "Well, you do our podcast." We yeah. just started, and he's like, "Sure thing." Like, Mm-mm, bad idea. Uh, just from a professional standpoint, you should not be doing that. Uh, you know, let him get to forty or fifty before you decide. Yeah, you know. But it was actually his show. Uh, good, good career advice for all the listeners out there. <laughs> exactly. Don't go on episode nine. Yeah. Uh, but it was actually his show, and I think this is. It sounds like a cop out. The first. By thing, the way, Danny was on episode eight of our podcast, and he should he should not going. have done that. <laughs> he should not. He would be the first to tell you. Uh, I think he regrets both eight and five hundred and eighty-eight. <laughs> uh, the first thing that like feels like a cop out is when you say, "I'm not offended. It's just not funny." And I'll give you this. I'll preface this right here. And we definitely are going to have to talk about this more on Thursday because I could talk about this for an hour. I've been thinking about this a lot and I still don't really know that I have any sort of firm, like hot sports opinion about it because the fact of the matter is there's almost nothing demographic based you could say to me that would offend me in some sort of a way that's like, wow, that actually hurts. And so I kind of feel weird anytime I'm put in the position of being the arbiter of what someone should and shouldn't be allowed to say or should and shouldn't be allowed to make money by saying or get a job by saying. I didn't think anything he said was funny. I think using the word that he used, the Asian slur uh, that rhymes with brink, I think you probably have to be smarter. Blink. I think you probably have to be smarter than that, right? Yeah. I don't think that him making jokes about MSG are funny, but I also don't think that they're that bad. Like that's, and I'll go a step. No, I don't know that you could pull any one line out of that. Like, I mean, people certainly attempted to, but I I felt like every time someone tried to pull like one line, I would be like, can you believe he said this? That it didn't really land the way that it did if you just watched the whole thing. And like, it's more like an overall sense that he just has a total disgust for this entire, like, (laughs) I don't know about race of people because I'm, 
Like, I, I bet that, like, you know, Americanized Asian people that, like, he went to school with, he probably doesn't feel the same way, but, like, uh, you know, the the first generation, like, born in China, like, in are in New York's Chinatown now, he seemed to, you know, uh, just be wishing that they weren't there. Okay, <laughs> and, well, okay uh, but let me say this, bad. Then. Okay, is there a way to... And, and I also think, like, okay, he's using, like, a... a really over the top Asian accent or an Asian like dialect of English. Okay. Is there ever a time where like, if I thought an ethnic voice was funny, I could use it. It's like, probably not, but I laugh and we all laugh our ass off every single time that like a black comedian or a comedian of color absolutely nails a white joke using a white voice. And that's where you get into that. Like, I kind of get that because it's a, and it's an oppression thing. And it's a, uh, if you've never really been an oppressed person, then you don't really have the right to use quote unquote oppressive humor, but it gets very confusing, right? Like, and I laugh, I will, I straight up will laugh at white comedians occasionally doing comedy that quote unquote mocks other cultures in the same way that I will the other way around. And it gets my head tied in knots about it because I guess is there a way that you can do jokes as a white comedian about other cultures that are poking fun or mocking at them that don't come off as we wish you weren't here? And he probably didn't find that line, but I also kind of felt like, okay, like Mike Reiner does fake Asian accents all the time that are super over the top. And we all just laugh at them. Like we all do. And I don't ever hear anybody being like, this guy definitely should be fired for this. And the other part of it is it, it's SNL and what? They're owned by fucking General Electric or whoever owns NBC Universal. Comcast, yeah. Uh, but it's owned by even something somebody bigger than that, right? Uh, no, it used to be they owned, uh, GE sold them okay. to Comcast. So that's part of it too. It's a for-profit There might thing. have been so a, a intermediate uh, buyer somewhere, but yeah. I just, I don't. I didn't really think that anything that he said was funny. I also think that about half of it didn't seem all that bad to me. Like bad in the sense of you should not be able to work uh, ever again. And certainly that's not what's going to happen. I'm sure he'll get, he'll probably get to speak at CPAC. Um, but you just, I just, it's a very, I, I, my, my brain is just fucking just complete mud now with the Dave Chappelle response, which I laughed every single second of that special, I was laughing. Right. And a lot of it was about this sort of stuff. And what wasn't, when he wasn't talking about the culture around comedy and around me too, he was, I don't know, making fun of white heroin and pill addicts. And I thought that shit was hilarious too. Uh, and everybody's, you know, you go to like the critic ometer response to it. And it's like 20%. It's like, man, Dave Chappelle is just, he hasn't changed. Well, or, uh, you know, he's changed or he's not growing. I mean, half the shit on Chappelle's show was entirely out of the bounds of what people would accept as okay 10 years later. I mean, one of his funniest sketches is about a fucking crackhead, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, one of his funniest sketches with Wayne Brady involves beating prostitutes and calling them ATMs. And it's like, now he does kind of the same bit and is like, well, I haven't really, I'm doing the same shit. Like, and you people have all said now that I can't do it anymore. And I don't know. 
it's just a very confusing time, man. It's and and I and I don't think it's that confusing. That's that's my uh, I, I, I like on the there's parts of it that are confusing. Um, I I understand the complexities of what you're saying, and I think that there's uh, some truth to that. I think the the headline thing is that that his his point seemed to be, and the way he was stating it, like maybe it was satire, but like. I don't know. You, you couldn't pick that up real well in the uh, the way he was giving it across. Was just like uh, I don't like the, I don't like Asians and I don't want them around. And people are like saying this is like a like a you know um, noted American voice Rob Schneider said that I saw uh, that, today. that yeah. uh, you know he he apologized to him that he had to live in today's era, and that's just such total bullshit. There is no era. I mean, I, I say that, but like, you know, I'm sure you're going to bring up uh, the fact that Eddie Murphy had a lot of crazy jokes. Um, I think it, it, go ahead. But there is no era where if he had done this like on TV, where like if a current cast member of SNL, like did that uh, 60 Minutes was trying to do a profile on them and they sat down in 60 Minutes and like, the, you know, the just said this, like, you know, had, had a, you know, something that, that again, like, doesn't really seem like he's totally joking like it's in a comedy podcast but like like you're saying i i don't, I don't know exactly where the joke is right um and and he just like says like and, and i just fucking hate asians skin crawls and i'm around him i think that that person would have been uh, off the show then <laughs> like you know if, if, if that airs in 1978 <laughs> i think that it's, it's it's there's certainly a chance that it's a problem um i i don't know like uh I, I could give you at least like the last 20 years and that's probably enough, but I don't know about before that, that people gave a shit or, you know, or even the people who did give a shit didn't have a voice one or the other. I bet that you, I bet that you had a lot of examples of both. I bet you had a lot of examples of people getting away with it. I bet you could also find a time or two that someone lost a job because of something like that. Yeah. And from a purely pragmatic standpoint, I mean, or uh, practical, you bring up, you can bring up Eddie Murphy and the fact that like, I feel like a lot of his jokes about gay people were like borderline violent like advocating almost violence against gays. But the, the, the real world fact is he's Eddie Murphy. He was the biggest comedian in the world when he said it. And this is a guy nobody's ever heard of who's never made a dollar uh, for Lorne Michaels. So he's clearly a lot more expendable. And I don't think you can discount, even though everybody's kind of just talking about the the reaction to what you can, can't say, blah, blah, blah. It would have been weird as fuck to have his first day and first day on the show be with the first Asian cast member that they've had. Yeah. Like that you can't deny that. Like I almost wonder, like for that guy's sake alone, I kind of feel like he had to go. Yeah. Just from a profession, you know, at the end of the day, it's a business, it's a workplace, you know, you owe that, you know, keeping a healthy environment there. But I think that gets kind of dicey whenever you start talking about for forever not like comedy has to be offensive, but you kind of have to understand that we're not. This is not normal conversation, right? Like if your if your stated goal is we're trying to get a, a reaction out of people, which is laughing, I think we can move the goalpost a little bit on the sort of shit that you can say and portray, as opposed to the way if you were doing that at you know a dinner party, <laughs> then you you know what I mean? Like there's something to that. I think I think there has to be. Yeah. Yeah, and I I think that it's 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 important to me. Like I, I whenever I first saw the clip, I think I was a lot more on the fence, maybe leaning towards like, man, you guys are just trying to ruin everything for everyone. Until I started like seeing a couple people be like, yeah, this is kind of who he is, and like this is stuff he does a lot. That that felt like a big factor to me because 
you know, I mean, everyone's, I'm sure that plenty of people have a, have a different opinion on this than me. Um, and you know, they're, they're entitled to that and that's fine. Uh, but I, I feel like on this podcast, we've said plenty of things that like, if you cut out five minutes of it, like, you know, if we got hired for another job that like we could get fired from that job the next day or whatever, you know, like we've done 600 episodes and I'm confident that somewhere in there, there's something that qualifies for that. But no one would say that's what they're all about. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't think that if you listened to all 600, you would walk away saying these guys are two big assholes that don't care, you know, that, that hate right. large groups of people. Yeah. And you're right. I did see a lot of that around him but i I think that's the important part that's probably true but i was thinking about this way before he came up i was thinking about this because of Chappelle and bill burr and i watched the entire you know i watched bill burr special one of my three or four favorite comedians ever and he's always done his set of bitch moan and complain jokes Mm -hmm. and typically whether i agree with them or not i find them hilarious but he used an entire special on it and I thought it just kind of felt a little bit tired to me. And I don't yeah, know no, why. I, I am very uh, exhausted by hearing how difficult it is to be a comedian. Yeah. and But, okay, I will tell Great, you this. man. There, yeah, and, like, you're doing it on Netflix for $5 million? It seems yeah. Like you, but the, the two things I'll say are. It's that and the Holocaust, you know. <laughs> I think, first... With podcasting becoming a popular form, a platform and medium for particularly comedians to try to get a foothold, and that plus going and working small rooms and whether it's people being able to record it or not, probably you're fine if it's not, quote, what you're all about and you're not going to have a dozen people afterward be like, yeah, we stopped hiring this dude a month or a year and a half ago in this city and another one two years ago in this city, another one six months ago in this city. You're probably fine, but I think you and I both know as people who have done this extemporaneously for almost 10 years now, that is a dangerous way for some of these people. Now, it may help you make your way in stand-up, but if you're trying to get on a TV show, there's a decent chance you're going to fuck yourself. Yeah, like, that's that was the first time I saw this clip get brought up was someone quote cheating it and being like, we're in this situation where like if you're not famous by the time you're like 19 or whatever right then you're just gonna have to spend like 10 years just fucking like grinding doing things like that just recording thousands of hours of yourself and then whenever whenever you do like put in this giant body of work and dedicate a fucking decade of your life to trying to like get onto the next opportunity someone once you have that opportunity they're going to use the work you tried to like put out so that you could get it to take it away from you and like that conception is like very fucked up you know like like i i I absolutely identify with that as like being wrong but it's like i don't know this didn't feel one the when you know whenever people are talking about it a little more and fuck i I could have the wrong impression i I could be wrong about this guy i don't know him i didn't like go through and watch you know a bunch of hours of his stand-up i mean i guess the podcast is down now but i still haven't seen a second of it besides the clip that circulated um but you know my impression is that like uh it's not like that you know they they tried to find two seconds to where where he'd slipped up it kind of more sounds like this is you know what he concept conceives of as like a funny thing is just you know like fucking asians aren't they the worst yeah and it sounds crazy but the fact that it was september 2018 is different than a a trevor noah tweet from 2013 like as crazy as it sounds that it's moved that much in that amount of time that's the other thing I wanted to 
present to you is I don't remember who or where I saw this like study. It was after the Chappelle thing that there's some, I think there's something to the idea and it might just be that, you know, I don't, you know, I guess I just don't spend enough time with people from every single, uh, demographic, be it, uh, gender, sexuality, race to, uh, have a representative sample, I guess. Sometimes I wonder, and this applies way more to Chappelle than it does to Shane Gillis. I wonder sometimes, and I think that there's been some studies that maybe the uh, methodology was a little questionable, kind of like the Trump mailer, so I'm not sure how verifiable they are or not, but that some of the things that we think, we, I guess, being like establishment media who runs the like Dave Chappelle, it's time to cancel Dave Chappelle and you know, every article I read, The Ringer, The Atlantic, every single review I read of Chappelle was negative. I almost wonder sometimes that the people that are writing those articles are not really in tune or in touch with the demographics that they suppose are being offended by the language are. Yeah. Like that it almost feels like in, in the And I mean, that's the whole thing. Like, it's not like they, it's not like there is one opinion. There's not you know? one opinion, but on, but it does feel like on the, you this is offensive side, there is one opinion. <laughs> like that the, hey, we need to, this this language is not okay. And then on the other, on and the wider swath of whether it's trans people or, you know, Asian people or whatever, that their opinion is not monolithic. The critic and commentary opinion almost does seem to be monolithic of, you definitely can't joke about these things anymore. And the problem is like with everything else, whether it's Colin Kaepernick or whatever, I feel weird even saying this because I can promise you someone would hear it and be like, fucking MAGA, I guess, huh? We've turned this into, we, we, we can acknowledge that there are these grifters. Well, what really cut is that they called you a centrist. <laughs> That's true. Never that. Ugh. There are these grifters in the uh, on the I suppose you would say right wing the like Stephen Crowder type guys uh, probably Ben Shapiro uh, who we'll say for Thursday those people let me see that dick <laughs> let's see it my my dick is so memorable everyone else's must be those people have sort of made a cottage industry out of this like deciding that any time that you say hey that joke is not okay that you're it's PC the PC culture woke people right. And then on the other side, we have you know people de- saying you definitely can't say that. I feel like most people, though, are not crazy right wing like oh PC culture, but also like kind of don't care about a lot of this stuff. And I yeah. almost wonder if it's because even you and I, like growing up like upper middle class ish, going to college, you know, working in a in a you know having a professional existence, like do we even really know? How much people, be they white or otherwise, really give a shit about a lot of these jokes? Like, or does just the trans critic for the New for New York magazine? I definitely know what she thinks. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it almost feels like saying you shouldn't say that joke has become like any almost like an elitist trade. And I'm probably to a certain extent like I play I've played into that over the years, but I don't know if it like checks out or not. Like I don't know if. People really give a shit 
Like, cause th- I think what I saw was that the, the, the critic meter on Dave Chappelle's standup is like 22% and the audience score is like 98%. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's probably just like, again, a sample size thing or something where it was like 30 reviews on one and, uh, you know, wait, you know what I no, mean? No, like, I, I think it's the critics. So whenever you're sitting down to write a column about what, what you thought about Dave Chappelle's thing that you, you know, you don't want to sit there and be like, well, you know, he's right. Uh, trans people suck. I mean, I, I don't think that was the the point of uh, his thing, but uh, I'm uh, I'm I, using hyperbole. Yeah. Whereas if uh, if you're just an audience member, you're like, did you enjoy that stand up? Fuck yeah, I enjoyed that stand up. But I think I, you know, you and I are smart enough to where it can be more than like I just laughed at it. I never really like considered his juxtaposition of uh, the f word and the n word in a TV writing room. Yeah. I never really thought about uh, his perspective on you know the whole. I now I understand how whites felt about crack. Uh, the eighties. Yeah. I don't care either. His entire LGBT, uh, thing. I, I've, I, so the first time I watched a special, uh, I was on more marijuana than it would allow me to remember that I'd seen the, uh, that I'd seen the special. So I, I thought I should probably go back and watch it again. I did. And, um, on, on second watching, um, the LGBT thing, just, it's just not funny. Like it's, there's just nothing. There's no insight. There's no jokes. The car. Yeah. I thought that was funny. I don't know. It, it did. It did not work for me. Um, but uh, but but everything else, I, I I stand by. I think we. You know. I, I don't. You know. Slurs that are used to insult people. But I think there's a way to like be observationally. I mean, I love the opening fun. bit. I don't the, even the fucking Anthony Bourdain killed himself. Oh yeah, it's just, <laughs> and <then> never thought. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you know, like I just think a lot of those same critics that are writing that- uniform the whole deal. <laughs> <laughs> he was a hood genius. <laughs> I think a lot of those critics that are writing those reviews in 2019 were probably extolling his greatness in 2008, and yeah. he was doing e- equally offensive things. He just wasn't pushing back against it at all. Now, when people push back against him, so. I don't know. I just I, I hate that you kind of have to fall into either definitely everyone who makes a joke about race or sexuality is a bigot, or you have to basically subscribe to uh, Ben Shapiro's podcast. And I didn't. I was not troubled by the Chappelle thing really at all, you know. And I, I also think it's okay to to watch something and be like, you know, I probably wouldn't say that, but it was funny when they did. Yeah. And not think like this person shouldn't put out material anymore. Yeah. Like I feel weird that I'm even saying this, dude. You know what I mean? Like I feel weird even having this conversation because I think throughout, again, throughout the 600 plus episodes history of us doing this, we've generally taken the position of what the fuck do we know? Like we're both pretty privileged lives. Like, and you know, never really other than, you know, that slight mishap where you got sent to prison for four years. uh, It's tough to offend us based on i'll never know that pain you know like i'll never know that hurt yeah so i feel weird telling I mean, anyone how they should or shouldn't but it, yeah yeah no no that, that that's certainly true but i have um, an inkling that some of it is overblown i guess yeah you just uh, there's like, like i don't know even even if i was like talking to a member of a community that like uh you know people are identifying as one that had been uh greatly harmed by dave Chappelle's stand-up and they were like man you know is uh really bad you know like it really hurt me or or was like you know i was fine with it like i'd i would still just kind of well that's one person you know like it's cool that's their opinion i respect that it's their opinion but i'm not based on this going to be like okay well uh, this whole group liked it or this whole group didn't you know like 
they're not any more qualified to speak for the entire group than you know you or I or anyone else. Like it's it's all just the entire concept is I don't know, kind of hard to pin down. Like yeah, definitely there are things where like if you say something, you can assume that like a majority of the group that you're talking about probably is going to prefer that you don't say that. You know, like uh, if someone like very earnestly in like we're like you know all whites are stupid like and then you had a, a survey of the whites did you, did you like that they said you were stupid they would probably say no and then it's fair to say the whites didn't like that comment but like most stuff's not that clear cut you know and like there's not it's not like there's fucking polling on uh, whether or not uh you know various groups like dave Chappelle's stand up um i, I guess know. that's my point is that if it's if you, the, what you're espousing is just leave it up to the individual and let them decide for themselves and you know not make one person representative of a whole group but i feel like the critical culture surrounding these things is actually doing that trying to speak for an entire yeah, group yeah yeah no and a lot of times I, I don't I, know if those people have any clue more than than white guy yes, does <laughs> i don't i don't think that that genre of article should be written I, I but think it that, is a I, goddamn. I think it's a fool's errand. These days, man. I, I think that all of our listeners, whenever they see people talking like that, I think that they should dismiss them out of hand because, like, it's just just not a serious methodology. It's not someone who's interested in like finding out what is the actual truth, or like you know they 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 are not uh, seeking knowledge in a uh, uh, a scientific way. Um, they're just kind of like you know saying whatever fucking comes to them, and like there's no consistency about that. There's no insight there. Uh, so yeah, I, I guess what the, to wrap it up, the thing that really puts me in knots though, is that somewhere in the back of my mind, as I'm even talking through how like un uncomfortable all this makes me, I wonder, okay, is there a person, group of people, small group of people that may be predisposed to some sort of hatred or, you know, antip antip antipathy towards a, uh, potentially oppressed group? historically or currently whatever that whenever they hear jokes that i think are okay even if i don't view them as hateful does it further harden or possibly even amplify those opinions that they have and make them think that it's more okay to even to talk to even women that way or to uh you know or to talk to gay people that way or to maybe even further yeah to slap a woman's ass when she doesn't want to at work or to you know yell slurs at a gay kid or potentially harm them and so on one hand i'm like man does anybody really give a shit about the like are we i hate even the term language or joke policing and i think you and i both as an aside could say that we're way more interested when it comes to progressivism on things that have to do with social services, yeah. the economy, things that actually matter, uh, taxation, uh, the whole litany of things that aren't linguistics. I'm kind of like, I don't really give that much of a shit about this. I don't really know if anybody does either, but what if a yeah, super small Yeah, if you promise to replace does? my income anytime I get fired, you can call me whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> yeah, and I'll let you call anybody whatever you want to. <laughs> yeah. But like that little thing in the back of my mind is, okay, so maybe I think this linguistic shit is way overblown. Maybe I think... It's almost becoming like a media version of an ivory tower to look down and say, you can't do that, even though almost no one cares. But what if there is even a super small percentage of people that heard Dave Chappelle's uh, sexuality bit that I heard and thought, you know what? Yeah, everyone who isn't straight is a fucking weirdo. They definitely shouldn't be able to get married, and they probably should have to use a separate bathroom. And if someone beats the shit out of them, so what? 
Like, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think that would be a, a irresponsible take on what he's saying. I, I, I like. Of course, it would be, but I think that person might be out there. Yeah, but then it's on them. Like, like yeah. I, I, I don't think that based on what I don't think that anything, any of like the text of what he's saying is giving people license uh to uh to do something like that so but i i think that you are hitting on like what what is the danger we should respect like like um you know some fucking critic having a, a concept that some group was not properly being respected uh that that's a bunch of bullshit they don't know like don't got to take that seriously but you know words do have meaning they do matter and like comedy you know some any anything like uh that that thousands of people are going to watch is going to have an impact in the real world on like how people think and like, you know, how they act and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I, I think that's the standard that you probably should be worried about. And that's kind of what I get to with the Shane Gillis thing is like, it, you know, that I'm, as I've established, I'm, I'm doing a lot of uh, projecting and building up in my head, but I, what I'm uh, fearful of is that he seems to be a person who's like totally comfortable with, uh, being like, yeah, that group fucking sucks. Like, you can have contempt for them, and having someone in like, uh, you know, that's on TV every week. That's like, and, and who knows? Maybe he never would have. Maybe it never would have come up. I mean, it's probably got its own. You know, SNL is its own policing thing. It's not like he if he wanted to write a sketch where that was the main point that right. they would just air it um, uncritically. But like, that's that's the the potential harm. You know, is yeah. that, that the the words matter? They 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 affect how people act. And that, uh, you know, if you, if you got someone saying things like that, um, that then, you know, uh, th- does it translate into real actions that harm real people? Yeah. And I, <clears throat> I do think that there might still be a place for people who toe that line and make me kind of uncomfortable but still make me laugh. But I 100% understand that those people cannot be on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Whether it's because they got to sell dick pills and you know football commercials or whatever, I mean, that, what if they let Nick Mullen just host one episode? I mean, they would the show would be canceled. The, you know what I mean? The show would be <laughs> yes, canceled the day I do, later. I do. <laughs> so that's why, and you know, I'm surprised that uh, took took this long for the words come town to enter into the discussion. It's you know, there's it's more than that though. Like, I mean, I listen to uh, even like you know, come town adjacent comedians that I found out through them that I really enjoy, and you know. <laughs> The craziest part about all this is, and I think they've changed us to a certain extent, and I've heard them actually do an interview talking about this, but it is fucking mind-boggling given what DVM sounded like in 2012 or 2013 that those dudes have turned into what they have. And my guess is that it probably, frankly, helps that they're minorities and not uh, a dude who looks like uh, Chris Burke <laughs> saying these racist things. But when DVM, when Jesus versus Miro first started on Complex, it was the wildest shit I've ever heard in my life from a race standpoint, from a sexuality standpoint, from literally joking about actual crimes they were still committing uh, in addition to their day jobs. And I think what they've done is sort of been able to maintain their edge while evolving away from some of the way more unsavory shit that they used to do. So I it's don't like, know. they're edgier than like uh, a lot of other like mainstream things, but like they're not nearly as edgy as they used to be. Well, okay. I would not say they've maintained their edge. I'd no, say they have softened it for a larger audience. That's true, but I still think that it's 
at its core, it's kind of them. And I guess you saw them yeah, live, like, so you'd know more about that than I. But like their podcast now, when I listen to it, sounds a lot more like what their podcast used to sound like early, early, early days than their TV shows. Their TV show sounds nothing like yeah. uh, they used to. But the podcast still sometimes does. And I think it's about, you know, are you able, are you the type of person who's either A, willing or B, able to keep some of what people thought was funny about you and edgy while not being quite as over the like top offensive? Because, dude, I seriously still remember the first week I started listening to that show and being like, this is the wildest shit I've ever heard in my life. Like, I cannot believe someone is saying this and putting it out. I can't believe Complex put it out. I can't believe they didn't get arrested. <laughs> For half the shit that they said, and now they're on Fallon. Yeah. Like, and I kind of feel like they also got in just under the finish line, you know? Yeah. Like, no one's checking for old DVM videos now to be like, we got to burn these guys down. You know, and it, and it's because, like, I, I think that, like, with them, it would seem so weird if you did because they've been making things continuously since then. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, and, and like, people are aware of them. Like, they've... And no one said that's their whole deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, like I don't know. It would be so weird to be like, man, did you see this thing they said in like 2012? And it's like, well, they also did a show like every day last week. Right. Doesn't that carry a little bit more in weight about who they and are? 14 and 15. Yeah, that's exact. That's true. So yeah, I think that's you know, I I I I would love for. And the I mean, day the Gillis when- thing is just like not. It it pretty much is present, you know. Like, yeah. like you said it last year, like yeah, less than a year ago. And for that, people to be like, hey, "Man, you're gonna reach into the past," and like, it's not fucking 1982. And there's a couple other things that were from even more recent ones where you know, you can, dude, you cannot use the f word. Like, you just you cannot use that word uh, in a derogatory yeah, I mean, sense. I wouldn't. And record it and put it on a podcast and expect it to not. What if get, we had a beep? <laughs> now you probably can say uh which is one of the, what um one of the things he said uh in the one of the later clips which was uh when he called uh, judd apatow fucking gayer than isis <laughs> i don't i you don't know probably that get away with that but you probably but you can't go with you know ragged, i feel like judd apatow would laugh at a, being called gayer than isis yeah and i gotta be honest in the right context when I heard the bit about uh, like the Civil War soldier bit, like that shit was funny to me. Like, he, I, so, not familiar. Some of his bits that were offensive were funny. It's I just, mean, he's on SNL. I figure he's got some stuff that's funny. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, I think we properly sorted. Now we don't have to do it on Thursday. We can still talk on Thursday. We can just speed up Ben Shapiro's voice to varying rates and decide which is the funniest one. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll see you Thursday. Later. That's it for tonight. The high school special is next, so until tomorrow, for everyone who's been a part of this one, I'm TC and Jake. We do thank you for watching. Good night.